We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Walk-On Sports Bistro. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital football expert Pete DeWeese. Ole Miss uh, traveled to Pete's neck of the woods last week. Um, Pete referred to the Ole Miss-Georgia Tech meeting as a game in our little pre-show uh, conversation. And I started to say, is that what we're calling murder these days? A, a game? But I didn't. I let Pete just slide with his vernacular. He wanted to call it a game. I'll let him call it a game. It did not look like a game. So we'll talk a little bit about that. <laughs> we'll look ahead to uh, the 16th-ranked Rebels entertaining Tulsa on Saturday, 3 p.m. Central Time at Vaught Hemingway. If you're not making the trip, you can see the game on the SEC Network. It's Ole Miss's final non-SEC game of the year until the postseason. So um, Tulsa heads to town, and then starting next week, it is SEC, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi State. It's going to be in that order. It's going to happen pretty fast and furious. Eight SEC games in nine weeks. So we're getting uh, getting to the meat of the schedule. Uh, Pete, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Okay, we're going to get to uh, get to all the content in a minute. Let me tell you about Walk-Ons because they make this show happen. Walk-Ons Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouthwatering made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp. Plus, they've got fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads, all of this in front of 70-plus televisions, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out today in Oxford or Ridgeland if you're uh, – not making the trip up and you're in the Jackson area, go to Ridge, go over to the Ridgeland uh, establishment. Make sure you tell them you appreciate them hosting all of the MPW digital content. We appreciate that. And if you are heading to Oxford for the uh, Tulsa weekend or for the Kentucky weekend or in a couple of weeks after that, the Auburn weekend, make walk-ons a part of your weekend. We'd appreciate that. You'll love it. By the way, if you're uh, whether you're watching the game or tailgating in the Grove, you can let walk-ons take care of all of your tailgating needs this season. Inquire today about their family and friends bundles, their tailgate platters. You can order online at walkons.com, or you can use their convenient, really cool walk-ons app where it gives rewards and everything else there. Again, don't forget Oxford or Ridgeland, Walk-Ons Sports Bistro. All right, Pete, um, I'm already riding you here. You referred to the 42 to nothing contest as a game. It felt like uh, mercy in the second half. Uh, Lane Kiffin basically confirmed as much. Um, So 
let me let me phrase it this way, and then I'm gonna hand it to you. I know just enough football to be dangerous. Um, I don't know nearly as much as you do. I don't live in it every day the way you do, but I, I've watched it for a long time, and I think I sort of know what I'm seeing when I see it in a general sense. So I've watched Ole Miss play three times, twice in person, once on TV, somewhat sporadically, but I, I saw enough. Um, this looks like a really good Ole Miss team to the eye. To my eye, they, they passed the eye test in, in, in so many ways. And then on the flip side, there's something in the back of my head that goes, hey, hold up, big boy. Just just wait before you oversell it. Let them play somebody. They, they've, played, they've played Troy, who's better now, but Troy wasn't particularly good the day that Ole Miss played them. They've played Central Arkansas, and we can do the transitive property with Missouri State, but I'd rather not because that's a dangerous thing. Bobby Petrino spent a lot more time getting ready for Arkansas than he did Central Arkansas. And then they played Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's in the ACC. They wear the patch and everything. But, boy, they look like they have a mess on their hands. Yet the other part of me goes, yeah, but, Neil, that's what Ole Miss has played, and they've whipped them. Everybody they've played, they've just handled. So help me a little. I think Kiffin knows that he has talent on his roster. I mean, he you know, he joked about it in the press conference, and what is one of the answers that I know you've come to like about Kiffin and the way he handles things. Um, but he also knows they're not they're not finished. They're not where they want to be yet. But there are certainly signs there that that they can do a lot. I don't I don't I don't know what they know, you know, because that that's that's the big thing is I, I think they opened up. They turned two more pages in the playbook against Tech. They didn't. They haven't gone to Chapter Five yet. They're still living in those first couple of chapters of the playbook. But they did turn the page a little bit. And and we've seen that so far in each game. And I honestly don't know how much that changes against Tulsa. Um, unless it's a question of are we gonna have to be in a shootout? You know, I I don't know how much that changes. And part of that isn't part of that is protecting some of what you think you can do. Part of that is still grooming both transfers and young players. Um, and in many cases both, you know, uh to to be what you need them to be and to get them ready for for when you need them to be, but I I you can't deny. I mean I, I'm with you. I, I don't. I the transitive property game is it's it's fooled me too many times. It'll it's, cost it's, you money in, in it, Vegas, man. Yeah. It'll cost you a lot of money. But yeah. let's pretend that I'm a fan of transitive property, right? Right. Okay, sure. O- Ole Miss sacked Georgia Tech, I think, seven times. Clemson has four guys that are going to be drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft at some point and maybe more than four. And they sacked them twice yeah. in that game. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That. See, I don't, I don't mind that kind of transitive property. That's a little more interesting to me when people do scores. I'm like, uh, there's so much there. When you start there, there, there's, down, yeah. there's so much there. Listen, you, you roll in game one against Clemson, a conference opponent, you know, in the dome, Georgia Tech comes out, they are going to be on peak. I mean, they are they are ready to roll, and they they threw as many haymakers as they could and stayed in that game as long as they could until a Clemson team that a lot of people are starting to realize not as shiny as they once were um, takes over. I think right? Ole is better than Clemson. And I, I, I right now, I tell you what, I, I would. Uh, there's a lot about that game I would like to watch. You know, I, I really, yeah. I think. 
across the board. I think there's an argument to be made there. Um, I, I, I really do, you know. But the 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 thing is about the Ole Miss game is Tech comes out and they're already on the ropes a little bit, right? And and then Ole Miss comes out and in four plays they throw the first jab and then you know it kind of stays in there. I mean, you're what middle of the second quarter before it really jumps out at twenty one and and but but from that point on you saw the discrepancy in talent. Now they're the two linebackers at Georgia Tech. I thought were really good players. They had, there are some kids on that team that can play ball and, and, and they've lost a lot of kids, you know, but they, they've brought in, they showed the stat at one point during the game of the, the number of transfers that both teams have collected. And, uh, and, and they've been able to bring some kids in, but, but I think where you see the big difference is, is it's not about where kids came from. It's about how productive they were when they were there. Right. And Ole Miss pulls kids from, from UCF and, and from Central Michigan and from, Western Kentucky that, that are all respectable programs and kids that that were productive there are the kids that Georgia Tech's bringing in or they, that they're collecting. They may be from comparable programs, but do they have the same comparable production, right? Yeah, sure. And and I, th- I think that's where you you really saw quite a bit of the talent difference in the game, and, and it was certainly there along the lines of scrimmage on on both sides. Um, I, I don't I don't I think that would be hard to argue otherwise. Um, you know for I know that for the first two weeks of the season, there were some, and we talked about this last week, right? Is, is there, you know, there's fans going, Oh, is the O-line in trouble? Are they not? We thought they were going to be a strength. Are they not a strength? And we talked about numbers, right? And we talked last week about sometimes it's just the math doesn't work. It's not in your favor. And, um, and on Saturday, the math was in Ole Miss's favor a lot. And Mm -hmm. some of it was by design, but sometimes it, it's the math was even and it was, it was ability that that created production and that's both up front and and in the backfield because that's one thing we know about Ole Miss is there is production in the backfield Tons and of. as long as they can continue to scheme things up around them those kids are going to produce because they're talented players so um you know I I think that um you know at at, at some point and um you know we'll learn more we still need to see growth at certain positions um, but again, Ole Miss has been—they've been creative and simple at the same time. Offensively, defensively, we're still—we still haven't seen it all. And and it, you have to be encouraged by the results through three games, regardless of competition. If you haven't seen it all, the the concern this week has to be: Are you healthy? You know? Yeah, because they're gonna—they're gonna get a different test. We'll talk about it. They are. But but you're right. They've been able to keep it pretty simple, and sometimes keeping it simple is really good because it lets defensive guys play fast, and it lets them play free and 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 go make plays and be instinctual. And uh, Chris Partridge, the old Miss defensive coordinator, has there's a lot there's a board in there, and you, the players reference it all the time about playing violently, playing relentlessly, at, uh, taking out playmakers, getting after the quarterback, et cetera. And it's easy it's easier, I should say, to do that when you're not thinking. And when you start playing teams that throw a lot at you that's intricate and complex, you have to think a little bit. We haven't seen that happen yet. But again, that's no fault of theirs. They've played who they've played. They, they, they didn't make the schedule. If, if When you watch defensive football teams, for my money, there are teams that play with a lot of confidence, and there are teams that play complacent. And it's, it's not a scheme. It's not – you can – 
you can be a freaking awesome defense without being an aggressive attacking style of defense when your players are confident, because like you said, they're going to play fast, right? When you think about years at Ole Miss, if you're an Ole Miss fan, and you think about years that they've been good on defense and, and you think about the way guys fly around and get to the ball and the violent way that they get there. And you go back and you think of Cody Pruitt and Tony Connor when those guys were roaming the secondary and the land sharks are going up. Those groups played fast. You don't play fast if you don't understand the system and you're not confident. Well, when you remove confidence from a defensive player, particularly on the back end, it slows down. And so think about the years when Ole Miss was not good on defense. And you watch them play and it's like everything's in slow motion, right? And and so much of that just has to do to to your point with with you know, keeping it simple allows those guys to be confident in their ability to execute the scheme because they understand it. You know, if you spend the whole week working it, and, and and at some point you get to offenses that don't allow you to do that, but so far they've been able to, and and you you don't want to see you or you worry as a coach when that's your approach that you're going to see drop off and you're going to see let down, and the fact that that hasn't been there to this point. I think it has to be very encouraging for that side of the ball. All right, I'm going to hand you the screen in just a second, but first a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. I've used therapy as a way to handle stress, clear negative thoughts. It's a life-changer for me. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and it's entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey. Switch therapist anytime you'd like. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can help get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com MPW. P-W. All right, Pete, cheers. All right. So I think the kind of approach we're going to take is, is you know, we're going to focus on the two offenses for this upcoming game. We're going to do it by looking back a little bit. Okay. So I'm going to start with um, Ole Miss versus Tech last weekend. Um, was able to get, get a copy of some good film for us to watch. So I want to make sure to give that a little bit of time. So I'm really going to focus on – I'm going to give us the first drive. And then I'm going to focus on some of the the first offensive snaps, and then we're going we're going to jump down, but we're going to look at about uh, at about ten clips here. Okay, so first offensive play of the game for Ole Miss, and, and one of the things that we talked about last week coming out of the Central Arkansas game was it was like the staff had made the decision that if we're going to have to make it, you know, if we're going to decide between these two quarterbacks, we got to we got to give them the four keys, right? We got to let them ride the whole course. Let's see how they handle everything. And I don't think that changed in this game. I think they know, and Kivens alluded to it, and, and Dart's alluded to it. Dart likes the ball in his hand, be it as a runner or as a passer. And and yeah, protect the right shoulder when you're running out of the left sideline, and, and the truck stick looks good. But let's make sure we stay in the game. But he wants an opportunity to carry the ball early in the game, and I think they're starting to realize that about their quarterback. And so they're they're opening it up and saying, let's make them read it, let's make them do it all. So Ole Miss starts the game, and it's a it's a really good design. So you can see what they've done is they they do what coaches refer to as fib, 
F-I-B. Okay, it means formation into, if I can get my mouse working correctly, the, the boundary. boundary. Uh-huh. So yeah. they, they go and they put the bulk of the offense, they set the strength of the offense into the boundary. And there's a couple of reasons you do that. It was a trend for a long time um, on defenses to um, to anchor the field and to, to really create numbers to the field because there's so much grass for an offense to work with. So offenses responded by putting numbers into the boundary and saying, okay, we're giving you three receivers into the boundary now. How do you want to play it? If you bring three defensive backs down into that outside third of the field and you're going to bring them down, then that means that your force, the number of run fitters you have back to the wide side of the field is reduced. Okay. It also means that I'm able to create one-on-one matchups with hopefully one of my better players. So Ole Miss starts off and they go formation into the boundary, and then they're going to use a little bit of motion to now influence coverage because now they're going to force Tech to rotate coverage, and now one of these defenders that they have put into the boundary to be part of their run support now is manipulated by the movement. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm actually going to skip to the end zone copy of this same play. All right, so here comes the motion. You can see. The safety here is starting to work back because he knows if he gets any middle of the field action, he's got to he's got to be able to provide help there. Okay, what Ole Miss has done is they're running just an old school traditional counter scheme, so they're going to work a combo backside backer. They're going to block back on this defensive tackle and just GT counter guard and tackle. You're pulling the guard to kick out the force player. You're going to wrap this tackle for the backer as he scrapes. What they've done to it, however, is added what's known as bash. It means back away or back across. So they're actually sending the tailback on a stretch path opposite of where the line's going. All Dart is going to do is put his eyes on the C-gap defender. Okay, Because they've put the formation into the boundary, even with the motion, they gain trig plus the outside receiver to now arc and lead on that side of the field. So Dart's going to read that end. If that end turns and follows the pull, Dart is going to hand the ball to the tailback, who's going to get outside behind the two guys that are arcing to give him a little bit of a convoy. And if that end runs up field or squats or hesitates, Dart's actually going to pull the ball and work back the other way as the primary ball carrier, okay? So it's an option element combined with an old-school gap scheme football, okay? What you'll see when I run it from the top is you'll watch Trig. Most times when teams run this, and traditionally when, when Nebraska's running this concept from the eye back before they fired Scott Frost and long before they fired Scott Frost, you would have the fullback who would go be responsible for this defensive end so that he can't chase the tackle. So when teams run that now from the gun, they'll still get the tight end to go dig that guy out. So what you'll see here is Trigg is actually going to take a slight jab step before he works outside. So as the play runs, here comes the motion. So right there, you see the slight jab step by Trigg. If I run it back enough, boom, right there. Now that gives them – they're actually two on three. There's an outside defender they don't even have to account for right there. But because of the flow of the offensive linemen, 
you get the entire defensive line plus this linebacker, who's the hat that you can't account for, ultimately, flowing with the offensive line. And now you are here for this backer. You're here for this backer. You've delayed him because of the motion. So his fit's going to be late. And as long as your back doesn't, for some reason, get spilled off the table to the outside, you now get a vertical cut. Now, Kiffin talked about in the press conference, he's referenced that Ole Miss has been successful in the running game, but there's still been some times where they've missed some cuts and missed yeah. some holes. Yeah, a bunch. And so you watch this. There's the right read. That's exactly what Dart should do. Now, you pause this right here. Oh, boom, right there. He's got a two-way go right here. And the truth is he makes the right read. Yeah. If there is, if Trigg can get his head outside and keep it outside of that defender, it is a foot race with this safety, and my money's on six. Yeah. So out the gate, it's a great opening drive for Ole Miss. Out the gate, it could have been a home run play one. Um, still great, you know, good design. It's nothing outlandish. You see it across the landscape of college football, um, but it's well executed. You give Dart an opportunity to potentially run the ball early, which again, I think is something that he likes. You also, if it's not him, it's arguably your best player, right? Um, well executed across the board. If, if that guy does not make that tackle, we see a big time explosive run to start. Okay. Still so, get seven yards on. Oh, you, you yeah. still still get a good good player there. So now you come out. Um, it's actually you go from first and ten on the twenty six for play one, and we come out the next snap. You're second and three on the thirty three. So yeah, you're a seven yard gain. Second and three now. Okay. So now Ole Miss is going to come out, and they're giving you a very similar formation. We're still formation into the boundary. The receivers present themselves just a little bit differently. They're going to do something similar. Okay. We talked last week on the show. One of Ole Miss's favorite red zone and short yardage concepts is when they go and they crack with an outside receiver and bring the tight end behind the line as a, uh, as a receiver. And they, they throw that wall screen. Okay. Here, they're going to work it a little bit differently. They're going to basically employ the same concept. But now, instead of Trigg coming across as, as a receiver, you're going to see him actually turn up, and he's looking to block. And now, again, give Dart the read. Eyes are on this end. If that end turns and chases the tailback, Dart's going to keep it with this two-man convoy now out on the perimeter. And again, because you put the formation into the boundary, you're asking the defense to declare where do you want to place your hats and where do you want to place your fitters. So you're trying it, especially against a team that wants to start things in a two-high structure with two safeties deep and not rotate a guy down and play some type of a single high coverage. You you can really stress the fit by putting the formation into the boundary and now bringing those guys back across as potential blockers. Okay. So, again, I want to show you this angle first because the difference is when we watched Trigg last week when he came out, he was here with his eyes on the ball. Right now you see his his body is different. He is going for that corner. And if this had been a pull read, again, you're looking at an absolutely explosive play on play two for Ole Miss. Had that end turned and fully chased right there and he keeps that ball, it, it's a problem, right? 
But this also goes back to Ole Miss scored on a version of this play three times the week before. So how do you protect that? How do you keep defenses honest against it? Well, you present it the same way, but give them something different. And so here, instead of being the screen, it's the quarterback run game. So now as you're preparing for them, you have to make sure this backer can't just key him and run to the flat when he goes now because you have to have somebody to account for the quarterback in the run game. So part of this is taking a strength, taking a tendency, but now giving the defense something else to prepare for. So, again, we talk about the the power of math, right? If you look at the math right here, Ole Miss has five offensive linemen to block one, two, three, four defenders, a fifth if necessary, right? Yeah. They've, they've negated the need to block this guy. And the run action and the action by Trig is going to block this guy. So essentially, we talk about the power of math. When you're now giving your offense the ability for five guys to block four, there's opportunity for success. And so right here, there is a reason that Broker was recognized at the end of the weekend, right? You you watch him right here. He opens with his first step, and he knows he can't leave the center. If he leaves the center too quickly, that D lineman, if he slants inside like he does, he's playing a lag technique on the back half. If he leaves too quickly, the center's in a bad place. The ball is forced to cut here, and, and there's, there's the defender playing right. behind it right? because Broker can't get to him. So watch, watch what he's able to do. He slow plays it enough, gives backside hand help until the center can get there, and then he's still athletic enough to get himself to the next defender and lock on and build that wall right there. Oh, that, yeah. that, that's that, impressive. It, it's absolutely impressive. Now, look at what the, the young left tackle is able to do, right? It, it's the same deal. Now, again, we talk about maybe they aren't the best up front. Maybe the, the, sl- the slant or the stunt that their line has on because they do appear to be working some type of a stunt here that or the end completely botches it. But based on the width of the linebacker behind that defensive end, my guess is by assignment, it should be here and here. Okay. Okay. So right there, either the linebacker misfits it or the DN does, but those one or two steps is enough. The athleticism of the Ole Miss offensive line takes over. And I'll be honest, Reb's got away with one. This, by most definitions – would be a hold, um, but they, they don't always get called. Yeah, um, You get blocking down the field right there, and now you're looking at explosive 38-yard gain, second play of the game. Then as soon as Ole Miss, because we know their tempo, as soon as they start to line up on camera, you see Evans take the ball, toss it to the official, and he lines up in the slot. And as soon as he did, I went, oh, they've now shifted – so you have Malik Heath out wide, you have Trigg in his traditional spot, and now they have taken their slot receiver, number 11, placed him in the backfield at tailback. This is Evans up top at receiver in the slot, and now you also have uh, Mingo off the ball. Okay, This is not a new concept. It's something that Ole Miss has run before. The first time I remember seeing this, and I'm sure it predates this, but I remember the first time it blew up social media was um, Joe Burrow, 
to Hilaire Edwards in that Alabama LSU game during that, that big, big game during that run. So what they're going to do here, a traditional flood concept that everybody in football runs is where you layer routes, where somebody is going to push the defense deep. Somebody is going to be an intermediate route at usually anywhere from 10 to 15 yards. And then there's going to be a player in the flat. Now, traditionally, you're not going to see that from two players out of the backfield. So what Ole Miss is going to do is they're going to try to take the top off here with Heath. They're going to push Trig straight to the flat. So if I'm this corner, if I'm playing a zone technique that's asking me to read number two and I see Trig go to the flat, I'm going to go to the flat. My safety is going to be here on the deep route. If I'm playing some type of a match concept, a man-to-man concept, Corner's going to stay with him. It's probably cover one. He's going to run with him. Now this guy is going to be covered by this guy. What Ole Miss is going to do to build the third or the intermediate layer in the flood is they're actually going to bring him out of the backfield and put him on this cell route now. Okay? A lot of things can happen. Now you may get him matched up on a linebacker. That should be a win, right? If you're getting a zone coverage where he's reading number two, who's gone to the flat, and he now has to take one, now you're probably looking at this guy who's been thinking, I'm a curl player. I've got a 10, 12-yard ceiling in my coverage that's now getting pushed to a deeper vertical depth here. So it's just a way of manipulating a traditional route concept, but attacking coverages and structure and creating mismatches by doing it. So you can see there, Trigg goes to the flat. 11 comes out of the backfield. He attacks the linebacker, waits on Heath to clear it out. He does his job. He sacrifices himself, pulls the safety. Oh, yeah, there it is. And there it is right there for an absolutely big play. And if that safety doesn't see it late, and the safety is able to see it late, if he does not see it late, that's that's, that's another touchdown, right? So we're we're three clips in, and we we've seen some good football, all three with the ability to potentially have even been bigger plays out the jump. Um, you 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 can see it from the back here. It's good protection by the offensive line. Okay, right here you would like to say right tackle. You would like to say stay square and not get your hips turned right here. But yeah. if he can't get this ball out in rhythm. He has plenty of pocket to now step up where Ole Miss is bringing something into his vision where he can get the ball out. Literally could hold, could call hold on any play in football, couldn't they? Oh, uh, yes. If they wanted to lose viewers and fans, and yes, they definitely could call on 95% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, but right here, they're not going to call it because his hands are they're, they're inside, you know, Right there, they start outside the shoulder. They get, they get in front, like right? Inside. Yeah, right. But but de- definitely, there's 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 certainly argument that you could call it on almost everything. A play. really good, but, throw, really good throw by Jackson. A, a really good throw, <laughs> pressure in his face. And yeah. this is one of the things about Dart. What watch the arm action here? Okay, watch the follow through and how little follow through there actually is. See how just effortlessly he just flicks the yeah, ball? It's a flick, right. He, he he can't fully step into that. He can't 
everybody's seen the videos of Dak Prescott, you know, twisting his hip around because that's where all your power is generated. He can't do that here because of the defender and his own offensive lineman. That is all arm. Look at the trail leg. The trail leg's not supposed to leave the ground very much, which is normal, but that hip's typically going to rotate. That is all flick of the wrist, and it is an absolute dime. Yeah, really good. So now you're looking Ole Miss in the red zone, okay, and they come down to to one of their one of their kind of tried and true concepts. And again, going back to, we've seen them slip him into the flat a ton. Look so at how the tempo the, has has Georgia Tech. It, so discombobulated. Look at Com- that. They're, they're completely just, they're out of it wrong. right there. Yeah. Can't get lined up. And so now, again, you know, we, we, we talk math right here. In a perfect world, what they're trying to do at Tech right here is they're trying to get him inside of Trig where he scrapes over the top and you force the ball to cut back into the unblocked player. Okay. But Broker does a good job, and he ends up on the ground here, but he does a good job, and he almost trips Evans up right there. But the truth is, if the young tackle can stay square, and when this guy, when that backer goes outside, instead of turning, if he can stay vertical and keep his eyes open, Ole Miss walks in on this play. Right there, you see him, he's trying to look and kind of figure out, and he kind of just stops. If he stays vertical right there, or if you can get anything else out of out of uh, out of trig right there, there's a chance that it may score. It's really close. He sort of stops to look for someone to block. He he does. He he is trying to do his job. It's right. just it, it comes with experience. It really does. It's, it's a hard thing to to kind of teach. And there's so many moving parts against the college defense right here. But again, you're an eight yard gain on a first and 10 down inside the red zone. So now you come back, um, you know, balls on the three-yard line. It is second and two. Ole Miss is going to go tempo again. They're not going to allow Tech to substitute. They're not going to let them get a heavy personnel package in the game, and they're literally just going to come back and they're going to run the exact same scheme. Okay? This is a great job just to keep moving here by Evans. It's a good job at center. Um, and left the left side of the line to keep it moving. Ole Miss is technically out-hatted, right? We talk about the math. You're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight defenders counting that safety. And so you worry, you know, if you're worried about offensive line production and you say, oh, I mean, he had to fight his way in, there's no way mathematically they're going to block all those bodies in this personnel, period, Right but they get enough movement on the nose and on, on the back side of the line that that ball, and I didn't mean to jump backwards right there, but that ball, especially if it cuts sooner, is a much cleaner path to the end zone. Either way, the result is the same, and it's six points. So Ole Miss comes back out the next drive. Um, they get it. Uh, I don't recall if this was after a turnover or after the blocked punt, but they try to take a shot right away. And I'm 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 a little curious to know from a teaching standpoint um, the way that Kiffin and Weiss are working this concept. So let me go back to my wide shot. Things being a little slow on me this evening. I hope it's not a problem. Um, You're good. All right, come on. 
So what they're going to do, they're going to get into an unbalanced set. And here we go. So they have taken both of these receivers, and they're on the line of scrimmage. And they've backed Mingo off the line. They're going to motion him across. Out here, you have a screen where they can throw the bubble or the swing out here to Mingo. They're also going to take Trig, and they're going to put him right down the pipe on this pop pass. Okay? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. They show a run element, but as best I can tell, this is pure play action. My guess is because there are two high safeties, numbers tell them that the ball needs to go outside to the swing. If there were one safety, if there was a third defender down, one safety, they're going to look to hit this pop pass either right after the backer or as he bends it to cross the face of the safety. But you can see here the safety gets held by the run action because Ole Miss has been so successful in the run game. And if he were to throw this ball to Trig, absolutely a chance at a touchdown. Oh, look, look at that. Right. Now, the numbers at the bottom of the screen, if he throws the, squ- the swing, which is what he tries to do, the defender makes a good play, bats the ball down. Even if he throws the swing down here, you're in position for a good gain at the bottom of the screen as well. Right. 
the defenders. Is this this an example of – because I've heard this criticism of Jackson. I don't know if it's fair or not, so I'll ask you. Is this an example of he had made up his mind before the play where the ball was going instead of doing his reads, or is that completely unfair? The only reason I would say it's unfair is because we don't know how they teach it, right? Do they teach it pre-snap or post-snap? It's not unlikely that they pre-snap, say, hey, there's two safeties, throw the swing. Okay. And it's not unlikely that they say, hey, we're going to read this, right? And so if they're reading it, I could see an argument to read the front side safety. I could see an argument to read the back side safety. As the motion develops, both safeties stay put. So from a numbers perspective, if you're telling him post-snap, read the safeties, or pre-snap, read the safeties, the numbers tell him to throw the swing right there. Gotcha. Um, is there a point in the in the room where maybe there's a discussion of, hey, we got to recognize there's nobody down the pipe? That comes with time. That comes with experience. But from a teaching standpoint, I would I would venture to say that the 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 the, the, the install told him to to take numbers. It would look so, like that from watching that angle because he never even looked at Trey. That never even looked at him, right? He right now he is going right outside. He knows he's got numbers out there, and he's going to take it. And this is one of those that you know it's essentially a five man protection. And people say, oh well, well, what happens right here? We don't protect the passer very well. Well, they they bring a six man cross dog stunt where they're they're bringing more guys than Ole Miss has in protection. So somebody's going to come free. And honestly, what happens here is this trig releases this guy so wide. He's trying to get out to him, and they end up bumping into each other. Obviously, um, and, if, you're, if you're listening to this on a podcast, this is an example of, of, frankly, you're just cheating yourself. If you like football, I'm just being honest. This is going to sound self-serving. It's not. I make more money off of podcast listens than I do off YouTube, um, far more. But if you're listening to this right now, you owe it to yourself to go find our YouTube channel, MPW Digital, and watch this. Just being honest. I, I I do my best to explain things, but I, I, I football is certainly a visual game. And, yeah, and, and, you, and you're right, Pete. You're doing a great job. My point is, is if you like football and you're at home and you want to learn something about football, um, I mean, I'm glad you're listening right now on our on our uh, Blue Wire feed, whether it's Spotify or Apple. I appreciate you listening. Um, I love your ears. Your ears pay me more than your eyes do, but you owe it to yourself to watch this. So. Just letting you know. Listen, get a grasp of what we're talking about, and then find your free time. Go back and watch it. There you go. Because a, a, a lot of people don't like watching YouTube, and I get it. I understand. But I'm just telling you, if you're wanting to understand what you're watching on the field in front of you, whether you're in person in Bought Hemingway or at your, your local watering hole or whether in your living room, you you owe it to yourself to go find this and watch it. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, Pete. No, I – I um I I I agree. I I, uh, I can listen to people talk football, but I know I love to watch it. So, the next concept we're going to look at is one that um Ole Miss did this a good bit with Elijah Moore, uh, Alabama game a couple of years ago when when Moore was still there. Uh, they used this a ton. They've used it a little bit since then. It resurfaced on Saturday. So they've lined up in what looks essentially like a three back formation. You have Heath. Out wide to the right, you have another receiver. It may be Wade. I'm not sure who it is I, out I think to the left. I think that's Wade. I think I think it is. It, it's not Mingo. So Trigg is on the right side of the formation. He is off the ball, not as a tight end, but off the ball, kind of in that sniffer wing type set 
And now, again, they've taken number 11. They've moved him into the backfield, and he is tucked in almost like a fullback or a tight end would be in the backfield behind the guard and tackle. Tailback is in the pistol behind the quarterback. So when they run this, they have play action off of it. We saw the play action in the game. Uh, it was an incomplete pass on the sideline to uh, to 81. But when they do it, they marry the run game and the passing game so much. So they're actually going to take Malik Keith and they're going to clear out the secondary on the right side. And Trigg is going to release into a pass route showing, again, like it's a bootleg. They're going to take the receiver on the left. In this case, I think it is Wade, and he's going to run a drag. So for the secondary players, you are fully looking at this, thinking this is some type of a play action, it's some type of a bootleg. There's nobody blocking. They are all releasing into routes. So as a defense, when you build your fits in the run, and it's why RPOs have become so popular, you have to take secondary players and make them part of how you fit and defend the run game. So what Ole Miss is going to do here is they're showing you bootleg with all these receivers. They're going to bring 11, the slot receiver that's in the backfield, across. They're not asking him to kill anybody. They just need him to set a screen. But it's a receiver in the backfield. And everybody on defense, all the linebackers, all the safeties are pointing at him right now. That They know he's not a tight end. He's not a running back. He's already hit them on one play on the first drive for a big catch out of the backfield. So right now they're talking, they're communicating, hey, receiver in the backfield, receiver in the backfield. So what Ole Miss is going to do now is they're going to show and present all these routes only to hand the football off. So, again, I'm going to cheat and go to my, my end zone copy here, okay? And you can see Ole Miss is going to run a wide zone or a mid zone to the left. But the action – of the receivers, Trigg releases, 11 comes across, it slows down all the linebackers. The safeties are now seeing the outside receiver come across the formation. So Ole Miss has taken what Tech thinks pre-snap is a seven-man box. And because they presented them with all of this pass action, they have essentially reduced that to a five-man box because the two defenders that were to the right of the offensive line, the the D end and the linebacker have both had to treat this like a bootleg. So again, Ole Miss has found a way to win the math game. Okay. And you talk about another great job by the offensive line right here. You can see 71 is the defense adjust. You see 71 pointing to the, to the linebacker that's walked up. He's communicating down the line to the rest of the offensive line. Our combos just changed. We were working that when, when he was stacked back in the box, we have one mode of communication to say, hey, the two of us have these two. As soon as he walks out, now the communication changes because everybody now has to move their combos forward. We're accounting for different guys in different alignments now. So they're getting that communicated. They get it executed. Phenomenal job by 54 right here. So Great good. job. Look at Great. that. What Great a job play. by 73. Watch Rod, the right guard is able to overtake the nose. Again, you see backside hand help from the center. He gets his and face front, yeah. He, he gets his face across, and now he's just going to turn and build the wall. And that's 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 the crease you need. And, then and that's, all, at, that's all Look at need. four, man. I mean, he, he's – I he's, mean, Lane talks about his vision. And if you watch – again, I'm sorry. If you're, if you're listening to this, you don't get it. 
if you're watching this, you do watch his vision to turn a two or three yard gain into five or six. This is when he makes the cut, there's two feet between the offensive linemen. By the time he gets into the hole, it's four, four and a half feet. And as he gets to the mm-hmm. second level, he sees color flash inside, which is where he wants to go. He stabs outside, invites the color back over, and then redirects back inside to now get additional yardage. Oh, man, he, it's pretty. It, it's it, it, th- This is offensive line coaches, running back coaches. These are the clips that they will sit and spend hours talking about and watching, and it's it's absolutely well executed. So I'm skipping forward. That was, you know, the two plays later now. Same drive. Here's Ole Miss back in the same formation. Going to run the exact same play. So this now, is third and seven. It, we're third. Yeah, this is the third and seven. Ball is on the seven-yard line. So, you know, Ole Miss is probably thinking, hey, even if we don't get it, we're in great field goal range. So we're going to run the football here. So they go back to the exact same concept. The defense lines up differently. Now, the last time we looked at it, the left guard is a broker, can't reach his defender. So he takes his inside hand, slams the defender out, and widens the gap, trust his center and right guard to do the same. On this clip, he is able to get to the outside of his defender. So now he just stays square, and he knows all he's got to do is maintain that position. And what you see is, again, because Ole Miss, because of the design where they're showing bootleg with the receivers, the corner that should have been there to make this tackle is chasing Jonathan Mingo across the field on a drag route in man-to-man coverage. And four four is good enough to make the safety miss. And Ole Miss walks People talk about Lane Kiffin's play design, and there it is. Uh, That's uh, Everybody talks about his play calling. And there's a lot of really good play callers. Don't get me wrong, Kiffin's one of them. But I hear so many people talk about his play design. Is so there, so. You there's know. a lot of subtlety um, in 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 his game plans and in his design that that really finds ways to get guys a lot of production. So I'm skipping forward later in the game. We are second quarter now. Uh, you know, 12 minutes 49 seconds left. Ole Miss has the ball here. Um, and I, I skipped forward, and I wanted to show you this one because, you know, there's a lot of discussion, like what, what else does Dart have to do? Why is it still – why is he not the guy? Because a lot of fans look at it. These are the plays that they're still wanting to see him grow out of, okay? So we are second and eight. Ole Miss is backed up on the 35-yard line. They're up 14 to nothing, and they run a bootleg, Okay. They are going to fake to the left and roll him back to the right. The play fake is good. It's everything you want. To the to the passing or to the concept, they're going to put one receiver in the flat. One receiver is going to run a corner route, and Mingo from his reduced split is going to run the over route and try to find that window from the backside. Now, a lot of teams that run this, will add a third player to the front side and they'll take their tight end. And and they call this in the NFL, they call it a keeper concept, not a bootleg, but a keeper. So they'll take this tight end and he's going to slam and work down, 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 and then leak out late and find this little honey hole that's been voided now by the play action. 
So what I don't know about this play is if 81 is supposed to release and go find that void. But he doesn't. And the void is definitely there if he were to release. But what you do know and what I can say with confidence about this is as Dart fakes to his left and rolls back to his right and gets pressured, he is outside of the pocket with receivers to his arm and he can get that ball past the line of scrimmage. He has to get this out of his hands. He can't afford right here to take this 11-yard loss on a sack. And so when when you talk about what else can he do, what are they waiting to see from him, as he comes out of this bootleg and he does get pressured by Tech. Right there, you've got to throw it. You you throw it over the head of your receiver in the flat. Throw it into the sideline. Yep. Past your receiver, and and you live to fight another down, and you tip your proverbial cap to Georgia Tech and go, you won that one. Yep, and you go play third and eight. Instead, you take a sack, and now you're third and ultra long. Okay, so the last clip I want to show you from the other night is actually um, it's the interception before the half. Your clock is ticking. 44 seconds in the first half. Ole Miss is up 21 nothing. It is third and eight. Ball is on the 31 yard line. Okay, and Ole Miss is going to go with a little play action right here and try to give him a one on one matchup uh, down the field. And it actually looks like it's an RPO where they're giving him the ability to hand the ball off, but also potentially take a one-on-one matchup, okay? Yep. So he gets a too-high safety look, which, if it is an RPO, is probably telling you, let's let's go run this ball. And the reason I say it's probably an RPO is you see the O-line, the tight end, everything looks like run game. To the bottom of the field, you get two receivers both look like they're just trying to occupy. Nobody's trying to get open. Your lone receiver to the top, who is probably Malik Keith, is running a vertical route, and it takes him a little bit to win. But he does he gets over the top, but he's probably too close to the sideline. And Dart feels pressure that comes late because Tech has a stunt on. They've got a twist on, and it's actually a defensive lineman that comes all the way around. From the it's field not side. somebody that right. you're going to be able to, to – to, it's going to be a hard one to sort out as an offensive lineman uh, when you're trying to run an RPO in particular. And so I don't know if he – you can see on the clip, his eyes are to the left and he doesn't have a receiver trying to run a route. Now, maybe Wade at the bottom of the screen is trying to run the route and gets bodied up into the sidelines. Maybe he's supposed to be running vertical while the inside receiver is just trying to occupy the safety. But Dart's eyes are clearly to the bottom of the field, and he doesn't have a viable route there. His only option is to his right. By the time he gets his eyes back to his right, he's being forced out of the pocket. So, again, at this point, get what you can, get out of bounds, throw it over the head. Let's play another play. Let's kick a field goal, right? Instead, he tries to throw back across his body, and when he does, it's not there. And I'll tell you, honestly, now that I see this, I can tell you what Ole Miss is trying to do. They're actually trying to throw to the tight end who acts like he's about to ISO the backer and then slips. And we saw this several times a couple of years ago with Yaboa, and I didn't even catch it the first time I saw it because he kind of gets caught in there. But I see now – Georgia Tech covered it well. That Georgia Tech did cover it well. So that, that does explain why he is looking to his left He's trying to hold the safety to his left 
so that he can now slip the ball down the middle of the field. But because of the stunt that Tech runs, he gets caught in the trash and they they catch it late. But that's going to happen. When it does, you need your quarterback to protect the football, not turn it over in those situations. So changing focus, because I spent more time talking about those 10 snaps of football than I intended to. But I want to talk a little bit, obviously, about Tulsa and the upcoming opponent. Okay. Um, you know, some of the the kind of interesting thing is you talk about Philip Montgomery, the head coach and play caller uh, for Tulsa. He is from the Art Browse tree. Um, he is uh, the the levy influence that you do have remaining in the Ole Miss offensive staff room. Um, you know, all of those roots are the same. And you see, and Kiffin referenced that on Monday, I think they're, they do some things the same. There's some differences. There are definitely some differences. But there are a lot of similarities in the way that they try to attack, um, in particular when Ole Miss is spreading you out and trying to go really fast. There's a lot of similarities. So I went back and I watched on YouTube, I watched a little bit of the Jacksonville State game. I watched a good bit of the Wyoming game. Um, I Seeing that field made me want to vomit. I was – <laughs> traveling with the team when Ole Miss went up there and and I will never forget PTSD, Pete, huh? Pete Boone for that um but um you know watching them play that game watching their style of play and then I went back to the only coaches film I had I had some from 20 and some from 21 so I went back and I, I pulled some clips from it's actually Tulsa versus Cincinnati last year um, and there is a lot of similarity between what they're doing last year and what they're doing now. It's the same quarterback, a lot of the same kids in the system. Um, the the big thing that I would say, and, and, and again, you know, at some point people probably turn me off and stop listening because they get tired of me kind of repeating some of the same thing, but football is so much about numbers. And so much of what Ole Miss does offensively and what Tulsa does offensively is 100% a numbers game. So you, for those watching, okay, you see Ole Miss lines up, or you see, excuse me, Tulsa lines up very much like you might see Ole Miss line up. There's a tight end off the ball that that can be both released as a passer and can be a part of the run game. Um, there are two receivers to the right of the formation, one receiver to the left. The receivers to the right are wide. They've created a bunch of space out there. Ole Miss is willing to play guys a little bit tighter, but here, extremely wide and almost stacked up. Those guys are maybe two yards apart, okay? They are trying to make you declare as a defense, and this is what I'm curious to see most about this game on Saturday between Ole Miss and Tulsa. Does Ole Miss invite the run? They know that for Tulsa, everything is about numbers. Is Ole Miss willing to say, we play a 3-2, here's our five guys, we're going to fit the rest, but we're not letting you get away. I, I know I, I read Chase's write-up uh, on, on, the, on the site today uh, where he gave a great breakdown of numbers from the quarterback. Um, and and if, if PFF or wherever the numbers come from, if they go back and look, it talks about how many of those snaps are actually play action. A lot of them are RPO that, that present themselves as play action um, because what they want you to do by formation is they want you to declare – where are your numbers? If you give them a five or six man box, the ball is most often going to be handed off. But by using these wide splits, by using motion, by using stacks and 
different things. They're forcing you to decide how are you, how are you going to play us? Because if you play us in a favorable way out there, then every run play, we're just going to throw it. We may call 40 run plays, but the ball's coming out of the quarterback's arm, 25 of those. You know, they're okay playing that game. That is where they want to live. They're not afraid to throw it, that's for sure. Uh, And and the quarterback does a great job of seeing things. And I don't think he's necessarily seen anything that's the same look that he's going to get. But I chose the Cincinnati game. I had a couple of them. But I chose the Cincinnati game because they're an odd stack defense. They play with three safeties on the field. And the way they present themselves a lot of times plays similar to what you might see from Ole Miss. So Tulsa is backed up on this first clip. The ball's on the minus six-yard line. The tailback is standing in his own end zone. So here, numbers most times in the game are going to tell the quarterback to throw this football because of the situation they're in. They, they choose to hand this ball off. It, it's a very traditional run scheme. They are – he is looking, he's counting, and honestly, he still only has five defenders in the box. It's three down linemen, two backers, but the two safeties that he sees that are playing overhangs there, they're part of the run game, okay? But he's going to go ahead and he's going to be comfortable handing this ball off, and they're going to get downhill, and they go against one of the better defenses in college football the past few years, and – First offensive play of the game backed up in a clear run situation. And because of the formation, because of the spacing, and because of the threat of the RPO, they're able to pop this from the six-yard line and end up, you know, second down. Now we're talking about balls being spotted uh, down, down the field a, a, a decent bit. I think they ended up on the uh, on like the 13-yard line after one play. So skipping forward a couple of plays now. Okay, they've created some space now. They're no longer in the uh, in their own goal line. So, but they are sitting here and they're facing a third down, and they come out in a two by two spread formation. And what do you notice about the alignment of the receivers? Well, they're super wide, so you're you're forcing the defense to declare itself a little bit. Super wide, right? When if you go back and you watch the Georgia Tech game when Ole Miss calls the first quarterback draw of the game. Um, really well executed up front because they threw a funky stun at them. But go back and watch it and look at every Ole Miss receiver is about as close to the sidelines and the cheerleaders and Gatorade as they could possibly be. And if you, as a defense, load the box, they're going to give him an outlet. So similar things going on here, even though it's third and seven, okay? Um, Cincinnati shows that they're going to keep five guys in the box, a couple of overhangs. Tulsa's going to look to the sidelines. They're going to go ahead and get a call, but they know right now they're getting man-to-man. They they can see it because when they get you into those wide splits, you have to show them if you're playing man. There is no disguising it anymore. They see it, so what do they do? They go to motion. Motion is a great way to attack man-to-man defenses, especially if you feel like you have a prediction of how they're going to respond to the motion. So they're two by two. They're going to take one of the receivers from the short side of the field, which is on their left, they're going to motion him across the formation. Now, it's man-to-man. So they are going to push the outside receiver vertical. He's going to clear out his corner. The number two receiver to the right is going to work across the middle and go find a window to sit down. The motion guy is going to come off of the rub that has been created. I was going to say he's kind of creating a pick right here. He's creating a pick to now work down the seam, okay? If they 
transition into a zone defense. You have given the quarterback easy targets that can now go sit down in zone windows. If they stay man-to-man, okay, as as the, the defender runs with the man-to-man, if he stays over the top and gets depth, all that receiver has to do is stop and he is open. If that defender, when he sees the motion, attacks downhill because he is worried about something to the flat, you are going to run past him and open up an absolute explosive. So as the play unfolds right here, what you'll see is he comes right off the pick. What does the defender do? The defender opens his hips, gets depth because he's got to protect the deep ball. So all that receiver is going to do is get to his landmark, curl right back down his hash, and there he is for a very, what should be a very simple completion. He actually drops this when they're affected by pressure. The throw is not perfect, even though it is pretty solid. And so what could have easily, what's a great design to create a great one-on-one matchup, um, just ends up being a drop early in this game. Okay. But you can see the stress they put on the coverage, the way that they create the one-on-one matchups. Um, skipping forward a little bit. Okay. Just, uh, to, so it's their next offensive clip. Uh, the next drive, I believe. Um, you know, again, it's about the numbers game for them. So they're in the same two by two type of formation, but now they've stacked up the receivers one behind another. So there's two guys stacked up on the right, two guys stacked up on the left. Again, you're making the defense declare what you're going to be, right? So all they're doing right now is the quarterback, it's as simple as take a count. It's first and 10, there are five defenders in or around the box. You could even argue four because one of the defenders is lined up slightly outside. Okay, They have a true pass play on here. They are going to take a shot. A lot of times with them, yeah. when you see this box count, you're going to see run. But here, they are not afraid to be really aggressive and take shots down the field. Again, it's a team they know likes to play a lot of man-to-man, so they're using motion, they're using stacks, they're using double moves, all the things that you normally want to try to do to combat man-to-man defense right there. But I would anticipate if you start seeing a lot of this formation in the game on Saturday, and this is the look that Ole Miss gives them in the box, you're going to see Tulsa being content to run the football. Um. Skipping forward a little bit, just a couple of snaps right here. You're looking at third and eight now on the same drive. Again, look at the field spacing. Now they've got three receivers to the left, one to the right, but again, they're all out wide. They want you to show them and tip your hat in coverage. We uh, we actually looked at a very similar concept that Georgia Tech was running last week. They're going to take the point man, the, the guy on the top of their triangle to the left, and they're going to put him in a drag across the middle. The inside guy last week, we talked about it being an option route, is actually going to go straight to the flat, and the outside receiver is just going to push and run a curl. If you get man-to-man in some type of a blitz, he is probably going to throw the drag route. If you get a soft zone, he is just going to work the curl to the flat. Okay, <clears throat> right here, he gets a zone defense right here, and it absolutely opens up in the curl. 
He right here, if there's a clean pocket, he has two easy first down throws right here. If the pocket's clean, his drag across the middle has popped wide open, and then his outside curl has found its window. <coughs> Fortunately for uh, for Cincinnati there, they're able to create pressure with a, with a rush. Yeah, Tulsa's left tackle just got blown up. Oh, absolutely got got destroyed. <laughs> and so right the quarterback, here. the quarterback had to take his eyes off downfield and figure out how to escape. If he's clean, it's an easy first down because of the pressure. That's going to be part of the key for Ole Miss. Can they continue to get pressure with the minimal rush, keeping guys in coverage? Because instead, the quarterback does. He has to get out of the pocket, and he completes it. But there's also a holding call that's that's going to bring it back. Yeah, the left tackle had a bad moment. Absolutely. That was a bad film. Bad film day for him on Sunday. <laughs> so skipping forward a couple plays. Okay. They come out now. Again, it's the wide splits. Okay. They get in something a little bit funky. It's three receivers to the left again. But the outside receivers, the both the first and second receiver are stacked up. And then you have a third receiver that's closer to the hash. Again, they're just challenging you to line up. And against the team that plays man-to-man, all this stuff makes a ton of sense. And they're just making you make the decision, how are you going to go defend this formation? They're going to look to the sidelines. They're going to get the call. They're going to come back. Okay? Again, it's a third and long, so they're in they're in a passing situation. But, there's again, there's five defenders in the box. There's no there, – there is zero secondary support in the run game. They uh, – Cincinnati has not kept anybody on the left side of the field other than the corner who's playing man-to-man coverage. So they really don't have much of an option. Now, they bail a linebacker out, but they're out-hatted. So when Tulsa hands off this draw, they are perfectly content. And this is a third and forever, right? It's not a throw it down the field because if I do, something bad's going to happen type of down and distance. But they are willing to play that numbers game all day long regardless of down and distance and try to get themselves into an advantage, okay? So, skipping forward now, it's their next drive. You're looking at a first and 10, okay? And you'll notice, again, they come back. It's more wide splits. And let's continue to play the numbers game. They're going to start the tailback out wide. They're going to motion him in. How many defenders do you see in the box? Uh, Five. That's it, really. Three down linemen, two linebackers, and then two safeties that are – Seven, eight yards they're, off. They're, they're both kind outside of the tackles. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're there, but they're not there. Right. Tulsa is 100% willing to play this game. So they've got their RPOs on the outside, but they're just going to hand that ball off. If you give them a light box, they are going to run the ball. So we can talk about them being the leading passing team in the country all we want to. If Ole Miss invites the run because they think that's the path to success, Tulsa is going to run the football. Um, and that's the one thing that I kind of anticipate on Saturday. I'm cur- very curious to see how that plays out from that standpoint. Again, going forward, you get a very similar formation. They start out with a tight end. It's kind of like empty. They're going to motion the running back back into uh, the concept a little bit. And again, there's five defenders on the box, and then there's two overhang defenders that are about seven to eight yards off the ball. So the math says run it. So they're going to continue to hand that ball off. Um, you know, it, and it's just it's just more the same. 
The one thing that I think that they do a really good job of is they do a great job using motion as part of their RPO game. They're going to play the math, right? This is this is actually one of the plays that they started with. I think this was their this was their first play against Wyoming was they lined up in a very similar scheme where they motioned this guy across the field into an out route. And against Wyoming, he had a tighter split and he came to crack. It's essentially the same play we broke down last week where Ole Miss is trying to throw the wall screen to Trigg. Difference is here they're going to actually push the guy downfield a little bit more. Okay, Against the man-to-man coverage, there's the counter run scheme. It's a very basic, simple run scheme right there. But against the man-to-man coverage, you see he's able to out-leverage the guy. It's there if he chooses to throw it. But if we go back to the math game and talk about that again, you're still looking at them essentially playing with a five-man box because the motion pulls the sixth defender and softens him from the box. So the quarterback knows math is in my favor. There's the handoff. We don't have to execute it perfect, and it's an easy five, six yards. Um Moving forward and just going to kind of show you a couple more, it's more of the same math, right? Here they are. They come out. There's no tight end now. It's true four wide, three guys to our right, one to our left. Look at the box count now. It's just five. There's five, but he sees the sixth defender adding himself late to the right where he has three receivers. It presents as man-to-man. There's no doubt this is man-to-man coverage. Right. You can look at the eyes of the DBs are all locked in on the receiver they're lined up over. Nobody has eyes in the backfield. It presents as man. He knows it's man. And if it's man coverage, that means that these guys have no responsibility except maybe the tailback. So they are most likely going to add themselves to the rush. So here he's going to look to throw. So now he's outnumbered. He has five blockers now. There's no tight end anymore. He only has five blockers. They now have presented a six defender. The math says, take my one-on-one. There it is. He finds the easy slant receiver matched up on the safety, and they turn that in on the first and 10. They turn this into a 16, 17-yard game. Um, You know, again, giving you one more. it's it's it continues to be more the same. You're second and seven now down in the red zone. Go back. Second and seven in the red zone. They take three receivers. They put them holding hands. They're so close together, but they are all the way out by the numbers to the right. There is one receiver to the left. Now you sit there, you have five blockers as an offense with one running back. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six defenders in the box. It has to be man-to-man coverage again on the outside. Okay. So they're not going to run the ball in this look. It's not successful for them. Cincinnati is telling them right here, throw the football. What they've done is they've stressed them by formation and by putting all of those receivers together. So they're going to turn. They're going to look to the side. The coaches are smiling. They know what they want. They can – they can check out of it. They can run a different defense. But they're right now, until those guys change their structure, there's not a thing changing. And if you can see this right now, you see the DBs at the top that are dealing with those three receivers. They're pointing and screaming at each other, communicating. 
he knows without a doubt right now that he is getting man-to-man coverage. Okay. He does a really nice job. And this is, we talk about subtlety of the position a little bit. He knows they're about to send one more guy than he can protect. Okay. It's not a great snap. It's down around a shin. And get his feet in the ground but he knows he needs the depth. He knows there's a route that's happening fast enough to get the ball out. But if I catch the ball and stand still, I'm getting smoked. If I can get a little bit of depth and get my feet in the ground, I can get the ball out quickly. So right here, they send the running back out in a route to the right. And this is the same, almost the same slant concept that they hit a minute ago. It was the number three receiver a minute ago. Now they put him on a corner route and they slant the two outside guys. The quarterback, again, watch him. He buys depth, feet in the ground, balls out right now, takes a shot, throws an absolute dime, but Cincinnati gets away with one right there and gets an incomplete pass. Yeah. But you're talking about a kid that plays the game with some smarts. He plays it with some subtlety, and he can rip the football. Well, and he's made better decisions so far this year because last year he was 18 TDs to 16 picks, and so far this year he's 11 TDs to one interception. So – it, I it think some that of that he's is a little bit as a quarterback. I, I think some of that's level of competition, but I also do. I definitely think that that the uh, there has been some maturation there. Um, I think that um, you know th- this is without a doubt the best quarterback Ole Miss has played thus far. Um, from a schematic standpoint, it probably stresses them more than anybody they've played so far, and arguably from a talent standpoint, you know. Um, I, I still think that that you know, if I were laying money, I'd probably take the over. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what it is, and I'd probably take the over. Um, but at the same time, I, I there's also some faith that if Ole Miss continue to play defense the way they've been playing defense, who knows? Yeah, I like Ole Miss minus the points, and I sort of like the over, but I like the uh, I think the over is sixty two. Kind of like it. Yeah, I I. I I'm. I don't. I don't think Tulsa, from what I've seen, that they're not great on defense. No, they're going to give um, them a ton of points. They, they, they'll score some because they just they're going to take enough shots that you're going to score. They, they're going to score points, and you know that that's one thing with Ole Miss is is even if Ole Miss can come out and run the ball for another 350 yards, they're doing it with tempo. It's not right. like they're eating clock right. doing it. So, uh, be curious to see if that changes. If there is some concern, um, I know this. It's going to be one that you're. you're you're probably not going to want to get up and go to the concession stand if you can avoid it um, because both offenses are going to try to move really fast. I think it's good that Ole Miss is playing a good quarterback because they're going to play another really good one next week when Will Levis and Kentucky come to town to start SEC play. We will be back next week with another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. We'll look back on the Tulsa game, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that we're going to talk a lot about what's coming with Kentucky, Craig Rodriguez, Will Levis, and the Wildcats, ranked eighth in the country. They play Northern Illinois on Saturday night. Here's a little stat for you. If Ole Miss wins against Tulsa and if Kentucky wins against Northern Illinois, and I'm betting on both, if that happens, both of these teams, when they meet next Saturday at 11 a.m. in Oxford, will be 15-3 and in their last 18 games. There are two teams in the SEC that can claim to be better. I'll let you guess who those two are. It's not Vanderbilt. There's two. So uh tells you what kind of a matchup I think we're in for next week. So we'll uh, we'll look ahead to that. Don't forget we're brought to you by Walk-Ons. They make this happen. Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got 
into bringing you game day with a taste of Louisiana. Uh, dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine like po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, fan favorites like juicy burgers, fresh salads. They've got 70-plus TVs. They've got more than 40 ice-cold beers on tap. They do a great job. Um, if you're in Oxford, stop by uh, over the next few weeks. Make uh, walk-ons a part of one of your visits, at least, and tell them, tell your server, your bartender, how much you appreciate them sponsoring our um, content. People ask all the time, hey, man, how can I help? That's how you can help. You tell them, uh, you hear, let them hear it enough, and it'll get back to the people that matter. So we certainly appreciate that. And, uh, Pete, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for the time. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Looking forward to next week. All right, we'll be back next week with another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview. If you are uh, traveling this weekend, be safe. And we look forward to uh, talking to you again next week as we get ready for SEC play, uh, Kentucky and Ole Miss. Until that time, Pete, for Pete, I'm Neil. Take care.